So typically, I'm a pretty extroverted guy. I mean, I don't mind talking about just about anybody in the room, but there are times where I like to just not. I like to actually like hang out in the back and just observe what's going on. I have my introverted days. Any extroverts out there like me? Right? I like to just kind of observe what's going on. And even in those times, it, I feel like it's, I, I just become like a target of the most extroverted people in the room. <laughs> I feel like they have like heat-seeking missiles for me. It's amazing. Uh, just a little bit ago, I was at an event where this was exactly that. I was at one of those events where I just wanted to sit in the back and just observe. Just watch what was going on. Just watch people interact, see what was happening. And I was just sitting back, just watching. Going, oh, this is nice. I don't have to talk to everybody. I don't have to be the person that interacts. It's not my event. It was great. Just observing. And then from across the room, across the room, I hear this guy go, Hey, you look just like that carpool karaoke guy. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe. That's James Corden. He's got a very uh, successful TV show. I'll take it. I don't know if it's true or not, but that was his opening line. Heat-seeking missile just had to talk to me and ruin my introvert time. I'll call him Mark. His name was Mark, and we'll talk. I'm going to give him that name because he shared with me some stuff I'm going to share with you, and he came over, just beelined over to me and wanted to talk to me, and um, and we talked and talked and talked. And he shared so many stories with me and so much about himself. And I really did enjoy it. I enjoyed it because he was himself. He shared everything about himself. He shared every thought that came through his head. <laughs> every thought. Many of them inappropriate thoughts. <laughs> it was interesting to talk to Mark. Um, one of the things he shared with himself without me prompting or asking was, he goes, yeah, I'm a flaming atheist. That was his words, flaming atheist. I'm like, okay, that's great. I, I mean, I, that's not great, but that's interesting to learn about you. And after he shared all this and shared many of his thoughts, he then said, the question. <laughs> so what do you do, John? <laughs> and Mark had been so open and honest with me, it honestly wasn't that hard to share with him because he had been himself. And I just wanted to share, I like, well, I'm a pastor. He thought that was great. <laughs> he starts telling everybody, he goes, hey, I just said a lot of inappropriate stuff to this guy. And I told him I'm a flaming atheist, and guess what he does? He's a pastor. Mark thought it was great. And as we talked and as we got to know each other even more, it was interesting because sometimes people are atheists because uh, they have a problem with God. Things just don't make sense, or they have questions. Sometimes because of what the church does. And Mark shared with me about how he went to a religious school, and he enjoyed that experience. He thought he learned a lot. He had no problem with that. Sometimes, you know, the church pushes people away. Sometimes, you know, we're not always good at what we do. He had no problem with the church. And so we just kept talking and talking. Finally, Mark decided to share with me about what kind of drove him from this idea of God. And he said, well, my mom died when I was seven. Then my dad got remarried when I was eight. My stepmom, well, she loved to go to church. She was very religious. 
And she would go to church, and everybody loved her, and she was very spiritual there. People thought she was just the example of what you should be as a Christian. And then she would come home, and she would emotionally and verbally and sometimes physically abuse my siblings and I. That's, that's why I'm an atheist. I don't need that. If that's what religion is, if that's what faith is, if that's what, I don't need that. I'm very happy in my life. I have my kids. We, we have a great life. I don't need that. Why would I need anything like that? So as I talked to Mark, got to understand him, got to hear his story. And I didn't have an answer for Mark except to say, I'm sorry that happened to you. I admitted to him that his faith and his atheism was stronger than my faith. And uh, it was interesting because the only thing he said back to me when I admitted that I had doubts, uh, that I had struggles with my faith, is he said, you're the first man of the cloth. And I said, is that what I am? I'm a man of the cloth. I guess. That was interesting. You're the first man of the cloth that's ever admitted to me that he has doubts. Okay. The only thing I'd ever tell him, I said, Mark, but, but just what if? What if there's something more? And he would go, no, 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 there's nothing, there's nothing. And I go, okay. I mean, I mean, but just, just what if? And he'd go, well, well, I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'd just chip away. That's all I could do. But hearing Mark's story, it made me just think about this idea of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, right? This idea of hypocrisy has been labeled on the church and on Christians, probably all people of faith, for a very long time. I mean, you've heard it. Maybe you've even had it thrown at you. But if we're real with ourselves, we've all struggled with it. We've all been hurt by it. When as I thought about Mark's story, the reality of what hypocrisy is, hypocrisy really just hides me and it hurts you. That's really what hypocrisy is, right? It really just hides who I really am, and it just hurts you. It hurts the people around me. That's what it is. It's not helpful. It doesn't help the people around me to really hide who I am, to really hide what I'm struggling with, to hide what's really going on inside of me, to just put a front out there of what's really happening. But if we were real with ourselves today, if we were really honest with ourselves today, it's not just that something that's hurt all of us. I think it's something that we've all done that's hurt the people around us. And maybe right now you're sitting there and going, well, this is an upper of a topic, John. Yeah. And maybe you're just joining us for the first time, the first few times, and you're going, who is this dude and why is he such an upper? Uh, my name's John. I could be one of the pastors here, like I said earlier. And, uh, Honestly, thank you for joining us. If you're a guest with us or you're first ha just hanging out with us for one of the first times, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. If you're checking us out online today, you're joining us for our live stream, thank you for coming and uh, hanging out with us, checking us out maybe during even uh, during the week. It is. It's a heavy topic. In this series that we're in right now called The Heart of It All, it's a heavy topic. We're walking through a few chapters, a couple of chapters in Romans where this guy named Paul who wrote Romans is dealing with some heavy topics. And I'm just going to warn you. Today is hypocrisy. Next week is unfaithfulness. And we're going to wrap up the series where Pastor Tim's going to share the message on Ash Wednesday. He was supposed to share a couple weeks ago when he was sick, and it's a heavy topic where it's getting into kind of the heart of it. Some of our issues, some of the things that we struggle with, some of the things that 
kind of weigh us down or maybe even get in the way of some of our relationships or maybe even just get in the way of us being the healthiest versions of ourselves. Hypocrisy is one, hypocrisy is one of them. And so I'm, not, I'm just going to be real with you that Paul is getting into some things that are real and he's, he knows the people he's writing to. See, Paul was a Jew before he was a Christian and he's writing to his Jewish brothers and sisters and he's saying, you got some stuff that's getting in the way of who you need to be, of who you can be. And so if you can be here on this journey with us these next few weeks, it might be heavy, but I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth us kind of digging in. And so if you can be here this week and next week, and even on Ash Wednesday, uh, there's some services in the evening. It's a Wednesday, right? Ash Wednesday, it's on a Wednesday, February 26th at 5.30 and 7. I'd encourage you to be here because Ash Wednesday is a time where we kind of deal with this idea that we're sinful or we have some stuff that we need to kind of deal with. But the good news is, is it kicks off this time of Lent that we're dealing with this idea that we're not all good, and that we have some things that we struggle with, but it's okay because Easter is coming. Easter is coming. And so come and join us for those services. Now, if you've been walking with us through Romans, you may have kind of noticed that there's some verses, a set of verses that we've kind of left out, and we're not avoiding them. But uh, on April 26th, we have a guest speaker coming uh, to join us. His name is Billy Brath. He's a friend of ours. He's a, an incredible communicator, and he's going to come and share with us some of his uh, experiences, but also just his heart. Uh, and the heart of God on this topic and, and some of his uh, ministry with the LGBTQ community. And maybe you're wondering, you know, what's our take and what's God's take on this? Uh, not only is he going to be speaking at all three of our services, but he only has about 25 to 30 minutes during those. So he's also going to be joining us for a Q&A after the 1130 service. So I encourage you, if maybe this is something you're struggling with personally, you have some friends or family, and you're just kind of wondering, how do I uh, minister? How do I just walk through this? I encourage you to plan on being here after the 1130 service as well that day on April 26th. And here's the thing, this, all these are, are heavy topics in the heart of it all, and I just encourage you to walk with us through this journey because I know God has an answer for it all. And even in this idea of hypocrisy, we're gonna walk through uh, Romans chapter two, starting with verse 12. It's on page 940 in your Bible today because I'm convinced that God actually has an answer for hypocrisy and it's not as easy, if you can go to the next slide, it's not as easy as you might think. You might just be like, don't be a hypocrite. Well, it's not as easy as that. Because guess what? You're a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. We struggle with this. But I think there's something in here for us today as we walk through verses 12 through 29 that we're going to see that God actually has something for us. And if I would have just gone to Mark's mom and gone, uh, stepmom and gone, don't be a hypocrite, I think she would have been like, yeah, that's nice. No, because my church wants me to be this way, but I don't know how to deal with my stepkids or I don't know what to do here. I think there's a bigger answer we can look and see in verses 12 through 29. And as we always say, if you don't have a Bible of your own, the one that's in front of you, you can grab right now and open up to page 940, but you can also take home with you. We, that would be our best gift that we give to you today. If you're joining us on live stream, just click uh, the Bible tab, and it'll take you right to the verses that we're talking about today. So starting with verse 12, we're going to walk through a few verses and talk about them, walk through a few verses and talk about them. Starting with verse 12. Now remember, Paul is talking to people that... He knows. He knows them. He's like reading their mail, okay? These are like people, he knows their stuff. All right, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles, now Gentiles are people who aren't Jews, right? There are the Jews and there are Gentiles. Gentiles are anybody who's not a Jew. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, 
even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their consciences also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. All right, we're going to stop there, because maybe you're going, there's a lot there. There's a lot there, but here's what Paul's doing. He's setting some things up right now. He's setting some things up, because here's what's happening with his Jewish brothers and sisters. He's trying to go after them, because they're saying a few things right now. They're walking through life going, three things. We're Jews, we have the law, and we're circumcised, so that means we can do whatever we want to do. It doesn't matter how we act, it doesn't matter if we carry the, the law out, because we're Jews, we have the law, and we're circumcised, we get to act however we want, we get to treat people however we want, because we have those things. Doesn't matter anything else. So what he's saying here, what Paul is saying is, what kind of matters? If you just hear the law, eh, if you do the law, that's what matters. He also, he's also saying, he goes, look, even the Gentiles have the law of some, of some degree, right? He says it's actually written on their hearts. This is what it says in verse 15, right? The law is written on their hearts. The other interesting thing that it says here is that God can even judge you based on the law that you have. So even if you don't have his law, you still have something. You have some version of the law. It, he even says, even if God were to judge you based on just the law that you have, you still fail. Think about that. Think if even if you didn't even if you didn't go based on God's law, you just went based on the set of rules that you would think that life should be lived on, how do you do? You still fail, right? You still fail. So even if we would talk to the world and go, fine, don't judge yourself based on God's rules, how do you do based on your own? Still not good. Still not good. So what he's saying here is we all have still some general rules and, and guidelines to live life from because the law is written on our hearts. And, and Paul's saying, look, you, don't, you can't just go do whatever you want to do just because you own the written law. Even they have a law. And then he says in verse 16, he says in verse 16 this, he says, on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. This is powerful because he says, look, you think you're getting away with something. You think you're getting away with something by being hypocrites? Come on. Come on. What's the point of going to the temple, of going before God and going, look at how great I am, God, and then going over here and being terrible? Look at how great I am, God. Terrible. Do you think God is tricked by that? Do you think he's convinced that you're actually great? God judges the secrets of men. That's generic mankind, right? That's men, women, that's everybody. God knows. God knows our hearts. He knows who we really are on the inside. He's not fooled. And this isn't just to make us feel guilty. It's to say, God knows you. Which could be scary. Also could be like, but God actually knows me. It could be encouraging. So he goes on after he sets this up. And he says, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God, if you just boast in these things and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you are preaching and stealing, do you steal? You who say that, you must, that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? 
You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast of the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So what he's saying is, you tell everybody else, yeah, yeah, here's what the law says. Don't do those things. And then they go and do them. So he's saying, so you teach everybody else who's teaching you. He's calling out their hypocrisy. So fine, you have the law written and you read it to them. You tell the blind, you tell the children, you tell everybody else who's teaching you because clearly you're, you're confused. You think it's about just owning this piece of paper, owning the written law, owning something. But not living it out isn't enough. And so what he's saying is you keep doing this and guess what? The name of the Lord, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So the name of God is cursed. The name of God is torn down because of your actions. Because what they were doing was they were going around and saying, hey, I'm a Jew. Hey, I have the the law of God. You can trust me. You can trust me. And then they were stealing. They were using bad business practices. They were doing terrible things to people in the name of God. Ever hear about that today? I'm a Christian, you can trust me. I got a Jesus fish on my bumper and I just cut you off. I have a cross on my business card. It's not enough. It's not enough to be a Jew and to own the law and be circumcised. It's not enough to be a Christian and to own a Bible and be baptized. It's not enough to not live out, to not be, to not actually be who you're saying you are. Because then the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And he goes on and he gets into the circumcision part, right? He says, for circumcision indeed is of value so the actions that God asks of you. So circumcision was the way that God said, this is a way to show that I have a covenant, a promise with you. He says, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, right? If you continue to live out your faith. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. It's like it never even happened. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, keeps the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one, I want you to hear this, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So what he's talking about there is just because someone circumcised or they have the law, doesn't matter. If someone actually lives out their faith, lives out who they're supposed to be, they're actually more of a Jew than someone who owns the law and is circumcised. These last couple of verses to me are the answer to our our quandary, our question, our problem of hypocrisy. 
Because hypocrisy is being someone different on the inside than who we're acting to be on the outside. And I think the problem is still the same for us today as Christians. If we continue to be someone different than who we are on the outside, we still make people blaspheme the name of God. We still make people turn away. We still even struggle within ourselves to wonder if we're really saved. I think that's even a question for ourselves. We struggle. Because while we maybe will come here and we may hear forgiveness or we may even experience forgiveness as we will through the body and blood of Jesus and communion later, I think we'll go, well, maybe he forgives the person that I portray myself to be, but am I really forgiven? Because I don't really give him all of me. Those last couple of verses, I think it's interesting. I think we just take out the word Jew and we look at we look at that next, that next slide. For no one is a, who is merely one outwardly. I think you could put anything in that verse because no one is anything who is merely one outwardly. I mean, put the word, let's put the word pilot. For no one is a pilot who is merely one outwardly. If you got on a plane and a guy goes, yeah, I totally just went and bought this, uh, this pilot outfit and I'm ready to fly your plane. You would go, no, sir, you're not because you're not a pilot, right? You are not a pilot if you just wear a pilot's uniform. That's not how this works. Just because you call yourself one, just because you wear a uniform, you are not a pilot. You want someone who went through schooling and training and education, and hopefully they have 20 years under their belt, depending on how far they're flying you. That, that is true for anything. Now, for Paul, he was talking about being a Jew, but for us, I mean, put Christian, right? For one, no one is a Christian who is merely one outwardly. Sure, you can come to church. Sure, you can hold your Bible. Sure, you can come and participate in the things that we have going on here. But if your heart is different, is that really who you are? Now, is this my way of trying to weed people out of here and go, out? No. It's to say, let's be on a journey together. Let's be on a journey of being real with each other because I think the answer isn't to say, let's get out or let's not be on a journey. It's to say, I think there's a different way of doing it than just pretending. Than just pretending, because that's what they were doing. They were just pretending. Let's not just pretend. Let's not be false with each other. The next verse kind of dives into that. It says, but a blank, right? He was said Jew, but a Christian is one inwardly. And he said circumcision there, but and whatever we do, baptism, communion is a matter of the heart or whatever we're acting here, whatever we're doing. Prayer, Bible reading is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Whatever we're doing is a matter of faith. Whatever we're doing, it needs to be real. It needs to even go beyond honesty, right? I don't think it's just about going, eh, yeah, I'm a hypocrite. I think for Mark, I think going back to Mark's story, it needed to go beyond her just being honest. It actually needed to go to a place of vulnerability. It needed to be, go to a place of her going to her church and going, I'm in over my head. I need help. See, where hypocrisy just hides me and hurts you, vulnerability takes the next step and it exposes me and it says, this is who I really am. See, hypocrisy just hides me, 
and it hurts you. But vulnerability is bold and it's brave and it brings hope to others. And I think that's what the verses here are driving us to, is to actually be willing to be vulnerable with each other. To actually be willing to be vulnerable with God who, surprise, he already knows you. He already knows who you are. But sometimes it's even still hard to let go with God and to go, all right, God, you already know, but I still need to tell you. It's called confession. It's called talking to him. But then to actually be real with the people around you and to say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what's going on with me. Here's where I need help. That's what I think these verses are pushing us to is to take what's inside and to bring it outside and to say, hey, here's what I'm actually needing. And it's so easy. It's so easy inside a church. It's so easy inside some of our friendship circles. It's so easy to still hide. And what I would say, especially if you're just joining us for the first few times or um, maybe you just haven't gotten to know us yet, I, I would say this church has a lot of people who are really good at sharing who they are. They've done it for me, but they've done it for so many others. And I'll share with you the reality is, um, there's a cool story that I want to share with you about a guy named Vito. Um, I get to be the director of our care program. And our care program is on Thursday nights. And it's a cool program that helps out uh, in different situations. Uh, one of them is divorce. You know, we have a divorce care program, and the walks of people who have gone through divorce is one for kids and teens. Also a grief share program, those that have lost a loved one. We also have a class called Boundaries. Uh, Boundaries helps you to set the boundary of where you can say yes and no in your life, and each and every one of you should go through that class. I'm serious, because you're all terrible at it. Uh, we all are. We all are terrible at it. Uh, there's also a class called Healing is a Choice of going, we all have wounds and pains in our life from uh, our past and kind of walking through that. Even though I didn't cause those pains in my life, I have to be the one to now fix those things. I have to walk through the healing journey. And so there's some great classes that we offer. And one of the things that we get to do, which is really cool, is we get to go to a, a program called SMILE. It starts, stands for Start Making It Livable for Everyone. And it's a court-ordered program that runs once a month for Macomb County. And it's court-ordered for every single divorcing couple that has children under the age of 18. And they have to go and they have to sit there. And it's supposed to be an hour-long program. And they sit there and they listen first to a judge and then to someone from friend of the court who deals with um, custody issues and things like that. Then they watch a uh, heart-wrenching video that makes me cry too every time even though I've seen it a bunch of times, and then they uh, listen to someone who presents about another organization in our community uh, about parenting classes and things like that that they offer, and then at the hour and 15 minute mark, it's supposed to be an hour long, at the hour and 15 minute mark, <laughs> we get to get up. So you imagine these people are like, ah, it's court ordered, I don't wanna be here, let me go home, and then we get to come up. It's great, it's a great setup for us, let me just tell you what. And then they're like, ah, oh, it's a church, perfect, just what I want to hear from. Uh, and when I say we, we get to come up, because uh, one of our, our members, his name is Vito, uh, gets up there first. And Vito gets up there, and he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to come. There's about 105 people in the room this past time, 105. Every month this happens. 105 different people. It's only one time they have to go. They, he gets up there, 
And Vito's a very successful businessman. He doesn't have to be up there. He doesn't have to do it. But his heart is there because he stands up there and he shares with them honestly and vulnerably. And he says, I was you. I was in this room about 10 years ago. And I was lost and I was confused and I didn't know if I wanted to live. Because my marriage had fallen apart and I didn't know where to go. And I sat here and I heard about this place called Shepherd's Gate and this program called Divorce Care. And there was something that just grabbed me. And I thought maybe, maybe I should try it out because it's either not live or try something. And so I tried it. And he shares with them from the bottom of his heart and his gut who he really is, what he really struggled with. And it's so powerful. Because again, he doesn't have to. But he's bold and he's brave. And he brings that room of 105 complete and utter strangers hope that they didn't have before they walked into that room. And those people line up in the back to talk to Vito after. Some of them sign up for our classes and come to a church building they've never walked into before because he's willing to be vulnerable. So church, here's what I'm going to tell you. is in a world that's full of hypocrisy because we're all so scared of being known Could you just consider being a little bit vulnerable? Because our God has already said, I know you. I know your heart. I know what you're facing. And I love you anyway. My favorite verses in Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you've done, no matter even the deepest, darkest stuff that you've tried to stuff down there, God has already said, I see it and I've saved you anyway. I've sacrificed anyway. And it's why we can turn to him right now in this time as we prepare our hearts for communion. We can talk to him and we can unleash those things to him. We can be vulnerable with him right now and let him have those things because he's real with us and we can be real with him. So as we pray, we're gonna do that. We're gonna have some moment of silence. We're gonna have some moment of quiet and we're gonna turn those things over to him and let him have every part of us. Let's do that right now. Father God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for knowing us and never running away. God, thank you that you are here in this place. Now, God, I ask you to hear us. To hear us. To hear our hearts. To hear our confessions. To hear our vulnerabilities. God, even though you already know, God, I know it's so good for us to unleash those and unload those to you. So God, as we confess to you, hear our prayers. Father God, thank you that you hear us, that you forgive us, and that you strengthen us to walk another day 
another week, another month, another year, knowing that we are forgiven and that we are renewed through you. God, you are good and you are gracious. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive that forgiveness for you today and every day. You are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's why our Lord Jesus wanted to be real with you and his disciples. And that's why on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave it to them. He broke it and gave it to them saying, take, eat, this is my body, my real body broken and given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also after supper, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, take and drink, this is my blood which is given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. This do as often as you drink of it, remembering me. And now come and receive. If this is your first time or first few times and you're not so sure about this, that's okay. You feel free to hang out in your seat and just kind of observe what's going on. Our communion guidelines are going to be on the screens for you. But for the rest of you, the table is ready. Come and receive what Jesus has prepared for you. Now may this true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ may it strengthen you and preserve you in the one true faith until you get to see him face to face. Now may you be blessed knowing that our God already knows you. He knows you from the deepest, darkest realms of you and he loves you. He loves you and he forgives you and he walks with you day in and day out. And so now go, go and be who you are inside and out. Amen? Amen. We'll see you next week as we continue the Heart of It All series. Have a great week.